So it's come to this. Ugh. It's come to this. It's come to this again. A movie podcast. The A first movie. movie podcast. The only movie podcast in... Finally, podcasting. finally, a movie podcast hosted by two white men in their 30s. You're welcome. Finally. We're there. We made it. You know, it's a voice that America and the world has needed to hear, and uh, here we are. Sometimes there's those moments throughout <laughs> history where people gathering around, seeing history being made, there's those moments where you can turn to your fellow man and go, Look at what we can do. <laughs> like, look what look what we did right. as people. Or you can turn to your fellow man and say, so it's come to this? So, so this is it, huh? Yeah. All right. It's come to this. Well, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. And we are your hosts for a in-depth discussion of movies that we have seen, that we think you should see, or yes. that we just have to talk about because... Movies they worth, won't get out of our heads otherwise. Yeah, basically. movies worth discussing. Yes, uh, is definitely the theme. Whether you want to see them or not, these are ones that we think <laughs> we have. We both in our impeccable taste. In our taste, we got something to say. We got some movies to recommend yeah. you. Um, and if you've uh, heard our previous segments, you know that we have been drawing names out of a hat, and we've been deciding what movies we want to watch. With those names. Yeah, I compiled uh, a list. We call it the names in a cup because quite literally I have a bunch of names. 300 names, one cup. One cup. 300 names, one cup. It's true. Gosh, that's awful. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I apologize for that. It's okay. We can edit all of this in post. (laughs) Actually, we're not. We're not going to do that. Um, Um, And this movie, the name that was... Yeah, what is the name that we drew out? So the name that we drew... As who do we want to watch? Why was this name in the cup? This is what <laughs> I, I need to know. You need to know. This. The name that was drawn was James Best, and I think most actor, actor director, director uh, was involved in film and TV. I I assume most people, though apparently not you, would uh, <laughs> would I. You, you know I haven't seen an episode of the Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, not James one Best was Roscoe P. Coltrane, bumbling town sheriff. Uh, under the thumb of Boss Hog. Oh, in, he was like the second in command guy. He was the lackey. Got it. <laughs> he was uh, the goo- <laughs> Was that an impression that of the character? Lab. I will say, I am not one. I am not one to do great Honest, impressions. Again, never seen the show. I'm going to take your word for it. So I've never seen a lick of Transformers. You've never oh seen a second God. of Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard is awesome. That was funny. That, I might that you was, might convince me. You know what? Honestly, next time I'm over, put an episode. Let's put on. some Dukes you've, on. You've convinced me to watch weirder things than the I Dukes have. Of We've Hazard. watched. I've I've made you watch some stuff. <laughs> no, Dukes of Hazard was a kick-ass show, and James oh, Best no, is I, this uh, obviously yes. He's this kind of goofy kind of. He's a villain, but he's a bumbler. Roscoe yeah. P. Coltrane, but James Best, the actor, is a pretty fascinating dude who not only acted in early kind of cutting edge Samuel Fuller dramas 
huh. you know, stuff like Shot Corridor, uh, where he plays an inmate in this asylum. Mm. Uh, or like another Samuel Fuller movie that actually came up for discussion here, uh, Verboten. Right. Like a World War that, II that close. Uh, kind so of exploitation our, romance. Everyone in our group is uh, is kind of going through IMDb, and, and, and it's hard for a guy like James Best because he's got 187 acting credits. Yeah. And you think That's so a much, lot, so much, by the way. like probably eight or nine years of his career was entirely sucked up by Dukes of Hazard, and yet this guy still has, and he's on a all the, he's on basically every TV show, uh, every TV show in the fifties. Um, yeah, tons of tons in, of westerns yeah, appearances, tons of westerns. But yeah, when you're looking at his list of movies, like what do we want to watch from James Best? The Killer Shrews came to mind for me. That's yeah, that that was one that Charlie suggested, which. That's like an early drive-in genre, real like bad. legendary flick. Yeah, and it's bad, but also kind of good. Kind of in fun. the in the same way those drive-in flicks were that weren't all these drive-in cinemas that they didn't have to have a studio telling them, no, nah, you can't put that in there. Right? They were basically people that got money together and made the film they wanted to make, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it was terrible. But they all got marketed to drive through drive 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 in cinemas in the seventies, and Killer Shrews was a huge yes early cult movie. Yeah, but yeah, again, this guy was just in everything, um, really recognizable. And, and even not having watched the Dukes of Hazard, as soon as I saw him on screen in the movie we did watch, mm-hmm. I knew exactly we'll get who I was soon. looking at. Um, but but the, even his last movie, which is on YouTube, I saw. Oh. Uh, it was from the late 90s, oh my, a little yeah. before his death. It was a horror movie set at a carnival that he wrote, and it's got uh, 80s horror goddess Linnea Quigley Whoa. as the main starlet. So it's just this, even to his late 70s, near death, he was writing and producing and starring in just weird stuff. And I forget the name of this movie. I've not seen it, but it's saved on my YouTube page. I think it was 97 or 98 when it came out. Uh, and so James Best just seemed like an ideal candidate to throw into this cup, this cool guy who was on TV a ton and brought this weirdo. I know you guys all got to hear my Roscoe P. Coltrane laugh impression. I, w- I kind of want to hear it again. I'm no, <laughs> I am no, it's, it's almost like a George W. Bush. Oh, okay. Roscoe P. Coltrane was essentially George Bush. So Dana Carvey's just doing Roscoe no, P. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, the w, Bush. W. W. Ah. Yeah. He's uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane fool, fool was... Fool me once, can't get fooled again. Yeah. Was, you don't know how much you sounded like James Thank Best you. doing Roscoe I'm P. Coltrane I'm good at what I do. Right I'm good. But it's it's kind of hitting me that, yeah, it's it's the it's George Bush played as... Well, there you go. ...even more of a comedy George Bush character. would have... George W. would have come up watching The Dukes of Hazzard. I'm sure oh, that had I, a huge I'm impact sure. on his I wonder... World I, now I'm dying to know of, like, hey, W., this guy, uh, this guy right here sounds just... <laughs> that was my terrible original H.W. Bush oh, H. impression. Oh, yeah. Um, this guy Read sounds very much no like you. No more impressions. No more impressions. <laughs> I'm no Rich Little. No Rich Little. I can do... The only <laughs> no impression... <laughs> It's been debatable. Uh, no understatements have been said. Um, <laughs> J- the James Best laugh is the only impression that I do. So this was Thank made God. perfect for me. Well, no, I'm gonna, um, well, I'm gonna hear, have to hear it several more times then. But so the movie that I would say out of every name that we've drawn, this has been the movie that I've probably 
I've basically accepted no other. When people are yeah. like, oh, this sounds kind of fun. And I'm like, no, let me tell you why your idea is terrible. And we can <laughs> only watch this one movie. I don't think I was that much of a hammerhead about it. but uh, No, but you've been advocating for us to watch this movie. We're really building this thing up for a movie know, no one's so ever heard movie. of, by the way. For, uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it was Killer Shrews. It, it was, was just Killer Shrews. <laughs> we we, we've already said Killer it. Shrews. No, no. Sorry. Um, no I, I think for, geez, the last decade... That I've known you. As long you, as I've known you, you you've not, been wanting... No, we've no, known each other no, for no, over 15 years. I've definitely heard you talk about this movie for several years. Uh, James mm-hmm. Best has a, a relatively small but very effective important. and important role in the 19... I'm going to build the it up. 1977 crime uh, drama thriller. Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder is one of my favorite movies. And it's got... It's got pretty much the kind of cast and the kind of crew that I is like my dream movie crew because it's written and directed by Paul Schrader. Well, it's directed by John. Directed Flynn. by John Flynn. Sorry, who did uh, written by Paul Schrader? We, and we've watched John Flynn's other The Outfit. The Outfit, which is yes, a classic. Uh, the Outfit. We need. We will do an episode from on 1973, the which is if you haven't seen The Outfit, it's an early Robert Duvall mobster movie that is just lightning fast um robert duvall karen black uh joe don baker john flynn's also director of one of my favorite steven seagal movies out for justice Justice, which is one of the best seagal easy right Uh uh-huh so So, this movie rolling thunder and then paul schrader i'm just i just want to make sure no 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 we qualify everybody here written by paul schrader oscar nominated this year 40 Absolutely. years after First Reform Thunder for First Reform which First is Reform. one of my which was an incredible movie. Uh Paul Schrader wrote Taxi Driver which came out a year before this. A year before Rolling Thunder. And then in 1980 he also writes in my opinion the best Scorsese movie which is Raging Bull. Yeah. Um which is just we it's, it's now we're going to we're going to do a whole podcast ranking this guy's Scorsese a powerhouse movies. of crime drama um, just his Scorsese stuff just alone. Just Scorsese. Uh, I mean, Last he, Temptation of Christ. I was going to say, he also he, this, guy, this guy wrote uh, Bringing Out the Dead, which is a favorite Scorsese Bring movie Bringing Out the Dead's amazing. Um, yeah. But, but even his own personal movies, uh, Light Sleeper was a movie in the mm. early 90s with William, William Dafoe, uh, which William Dafoe was like an insomniac uh, kind of drug dealer, and it's just him following Willem Dafoe's character around New York. Cool. Very intense. Very Paul Schrader. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s, he did uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. Yeah. With its excellent Philip Glass kind of score that I still remember. And Paul one, Schrader is... Yeah. The one after that that surprises me when I see it is The Mosquito Coast. Oh, with Harrison yeah. Ford. Right. Which is a, a really thoughtful kind of slow family drama. American Gigolo. Thought. Just hit Does me. American Gigolo. He does hardcore yeah, hardcore with George C. Um, so Paul Schrader, right in the middle is, of all of that, is Rolling Thunder. Yeah, Paul Schrader is one of the. I don't know if I could name a screenwriter that has affected me and my love of cinema more. Yeah. than Paul Schrader, hearing all those movies that we just named back to right. back—that's absurd. Yes. Who else has that kind of a library? Well, and me being the, uh, you know middle class white man that I am when when I got into film in high school what I was watching was 70s movies sure uh, Al Pacino Dog Day Afternoon Godfather uh-huh. that's kind of the stuff that the that 
got me into but then you're watching it on a different level and you're not enjoying the violence you're you're, you're appreciating the yeah the i depth am and the drama and the the thing about american cinema and paul schrader especially that really speaks to me is kind of this disillusionment that happens in the 70s and this uh detachment mm-hmm. that people feel and uh it's something that i've it seems like it only grows yeah i mean year. paul schrader with no hyperbole, if I were to make some stupid list of most influential American contributions to cinema, Paul Schrader would land in my top 10. Yeah. I mean, if not top five. So this, rolling thunder, but, man. Well, I mean, even just to get into to, to more of Schrade. Yeah, please. Uh, he is so good. You said this, uh, this desolate 70s, this kind of loneliness that yeah. he was able to capture. And there's he... kind of an anti... I mean, there's an anti-hero movement in the 70s in, mm-hmm. in American cinema, and that's when Scorsese comes about and crime cinema is kind of at its top. It's mm-hmm. kind of this post-noir, like we did this kind of stylized crime, and now we're we're revealing the, just the, the dirt and the grime and the actual, yeah. you know, un, uh, unsexiness, I guess, <laughs> yeah. of, it, of it all. I think Paul Schrader does this incredible thing which again, I'm still kind of I know what Paul Schrader's done, but hearing, but actually speaking out loud back to back all right. these movies, it's like, oh my god, this guy's been doing nothing but classics for 40 years. But you, you talk about a guy who, in all his screenplays, a prevailing theme is loneliness and these men who are on a certain path that they don't know what's guiding them on this path. And sometimes it's a spiritual thing. Sometimes it's due to past abuses. Sometimes it's due to a change in beliefs. But mm-hmm. it seems like it's always about these men asking questions of society and of themselves. And what are they doing to be either a problem to society or something that can be a savior? And it's not a white savior kind of thing. But from a recent his most recent first reformed mm-hmm. which is ethan hawk questioning his motivations in life a longtime priest who's finally wondering like what is it for you know people are into these mega churches people are you know while these were these mega churches sponsored by pollutants and like what is he doing how is he actually making a difference right and and it's something that i can relate to is this kind of fear of Am I making a difference, a good difference? If I were to die tomorrow, is somebody going to say, like, you know, the world's not as good Mm -hmm. for having this? Like, he really helped with this. And there's so many Paul Schrader themes where it's just guys finding their path. And I wonder if there's not also maybe even a uh, kind of subversive under that surface his movies often end with these characters like Travis Bickle mm-hmm. just kind of creating petty mass murder yeah. and not really like he, Awful. having it- having illusions of grandeur, mm-hmm. wanting to be these positive or what they see as macho, what they see as positive, but really they just turn, they're, they're the bad guys. They're, they're yeah. the psychopaths. They're so, crazy. So the, the, this, it's like this American journey of, of, uh, being the hero and how misguided it's become yeah. or, or, or maybe the, always was. The, the or... public's view of a hero versus what actually goes on yeah. with people that could be considered heroes. And one thing about Schrader that I love so much is 
this theme that comes up pretty often, but is approached slightly differently and casts it in a whole different shadow. Mm-hmm. So you talk about Taxi Driver one year, which is this guy who's, that was probably one of the first like rebellious movies that I saw in high school. You know, you f- right. you're finally seeing our movies and you're seeing classics and, but classics that your parents wouldn't necessarily want you to watch. Movies that were dangerous. Dangerous films yeah. and films with ideas and, Right. When you're very impressionable. <laughs> and Taxi Driver is all about, you know, this guy who's slowly getting disgusted by society and the world. And he wants to, like, change it for the better. Even though his version of changing it for the better is very illegal and very crazy sounding. But it all culminates with him doing this and then being viewed as a hero. Even though he was, we all clearly watched a man going insane. Right. But he's thought of as a savior, hmm. a good guy. And so then one year later, we have Rolling Thunder, and which is... I kind of almost see where you're going with this, because mm-hmm. Rolling Thunder starts out with this returning Vietnam War mm-hmm. veteran yeah. who... Uh, and, and, and two of them, actually. Two. Tommy Lee Jones and Wh- William Devane. William Devane and Tommy Lee Jones are two uh, World War... or Vietnam. World War, Vietnam yeah. War veterans, and... Uh, They've been in a POW camp for several years. Yeah. And they've been freed, and they're returning home. That's how the movie opens with them landing at the airport, and here they are. And they clearly are um, viewed as heroes. The mm-hmm. public is yeah, greeting the, the, them there. The whole, their, their small town the is out in there. abundance. Everyone's there to greet them, but they are in the plane. And the first line is like Tommy Lee Jones saying, I don't know how to face these people. I don't know yeah. how to even these people engage are de- these with two this men world are dehumanized. that I'm, I have to return to. Yeah, because yeah. the bad shit went down and now they're different men. Yeah, these and... two are changed beings that are now being thrown back in, you know, like learning to fly again, just tossed back into the world. Right. Well, yeah, you're back. And they're, and they're returning heroes. And they're supposed heroes. to just go home and, yeah. and, like, here's your life again. Everybody else has been moving on for seven years. And here's these guys behind in everything. Yeah. And not just behind, but no idea how to deal with people anymore. Because your sensibilities they're have been clearly so rubbed raw. From, they're clearly suffering from PTSD. And, and Travis Bickle was a veteran. Right, the movie, the movie brought it up True. many times. There's a great scene, where and he's clearly an abandoned person. Exactly, like, yeah, who, he's who, living who on the fringe. Never got taken care of by mm-hmm. the the you know the government after his service. Yeah, and uh, you know the, there's that great scene with Joe Spinell, who runs like a cab company. Oh yeah, uh, in Taxi Driver, and they're just kind of briefly acknowledging each other's service, and it's this like silent respect. And it's like you can tell Joe Spinell went through the same kind of thing, and he's kind of righted the ship. Hmm. And he's on, you know, he has his cab he's company. Okay. He's doing okay. But he recognizes that, like, this is a guy I should give a chance to, even though I would have otherwise had misgivings about him, just because I know how difficult it is. Right. And Rolling Thunder is very much a parallel to Taxi Driver. Came out a year later. Takes place in tech in Texas instead. Of, it was probably written at the same time. I was just going to say probably written around the same time, and I would imagine Taxi Driver's success is what got this movie oh, made. Oh, you're probably right. Right? I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, Taxi Driver was such a deserved success that yeah. that Schrader probably he became probably a, was like, a well, Hollywood the other god. One. All here's of a sudden, yeah. Here's the next one. That yeah, was basically prob- the same. <laughs> Schrader's a guy who line. pumped out a lot of high quality scripts. He probably had the, he was nesting these things. Exactly. So like, oh, just waiting for the dam to break. And here's some <laughs> other projects that you can set up. Yeah. Uh, but so Rolling Thunder is very much a parallel. 
but it's such a huge difference being set in a Texas border town versus being set in New York City. Right. And well, and William Devane is the family man. He's yeah. coming home to a wife who, you know, probably thought he was dead for many years. Who legitimately thought he was uh, dead. A son who he knew only as an 18-month-old uh-huh. baby and then is now a seven-year-old boy kind of a thing. Yeah. And he's expected to kind of just take on that role of the husband and father. Yeah, back to being the dad. And this movie is so internal is the the word that I always thought of when we were watching it. And it's just everything... William Devane is so good at just kind of everything's inside... He's the strong, silent type. Yeah. Um, the wife wants a divorce because she's already moved on romantically she, to another She legitimately person. thought her husband was dead and, for the last four years. And you can't blame her, right? And yeah. he doesn't blame her. So no, nobody's and, the bad guy here. <laughs> and he's not angry. And that's what's so crazy about this character is that um, you can tell it's crumbling around him. And, and you can tell he's trying to hold on to at least having his son in his life and trying. But... Mm-hmm. But you can tell he's just not there anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have any dreams or goals at this point. Right. He survived, and now all he knows is surviving. And now he's back into the life that used to be his, but is from a whole nother millennia ago. Right. And none none of the roles that he served in his pre-war life have any kind of a, like applicability right. to his current situation. And he's, uh, he even says at one point later in the movie that he's just, he's been dead inside. Right. Like he's, n- he's ceased being a person. A very strong character study. And people are probably at this point asking, what happens in this movie? Is- when does Roscoe P. Jones or yeah, whatever the guy's name is, is come in here? It is just William Devane. Remember when we were talking about yeah. Dukes of Hazzard? Yeah. <laughs> this movie is just William Devane sitting in a darkened room sighing. For ninety minutes, it's tough stuff, man. Right. And you, no. you, <laughs> but you really you follow this guy for a good forty minutes. Yeah. Well, the just, first just kind of like living this life. You don't see any. Well, there's a couple uh, flashbacks. There's some very fla- well, there's very quick frame shots, and there's a very uh, intense scene where oh, we'll he get, is... no, no, no. We'll get to the uh, okay. You want to get with, to that with later? The new, new with the stepdad. Yeah, with yeah. the rope. Oh yeah. So the movie doesn't start. In the war, you know, this isn't like the deer hunter, which the first half of the movie's in Nam, showing them what they go through, and then they're back to their home life. This skips the war stuff, and we're just back into the reintegration. And the first 20, 25 minutes of this movie is this guy being treated as the local legend. There's billboards up for him. The town's sign is like home of... Everybody, conquering hero. Everybody clearly got together in this town to get this guy home. Yeah. They got him back. They, they give him a car. Yeah, a new Cadillac. Yeah. He's given given thousands of dollars in gold coins. Like every business in this Silver town. Silver dollars. Silver dollars. Silver thank dollars, you. Thank yes. you, thank you. Every business in this town is chipping in to to make sure this guy's return Right. He's giving he's given the heroes welcome. But all the while he's completely detached. Yeah. He it, feels it, nothing. He's clearly walking around in a fog. Mm-hmm. Um such a impossible role. Yeah. And William Devane was not a guy this was his probably first major feature. And I say major is just a big movie. Rolling Thunder made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But this movie is he is in 
like all of the shots pretty He's, much. He is 90% of this film is his story. And when I think of William Devane as an actor, I think of his big shit eating grin and his giant teeth. <laughs> He's got big teeth. And uh, he's got you, a know, you want to talk about Freddie Mercury kinda? teeth. Yeah. I mean, William Devane has got some chompers and he's always smiling. And the movie I always think of when I think of William Devane is uh, Payback, my favorite oh, Mel Gibson movie. Payback is so good. And we'll, the whole time he's we'll, just The Payback episode will be coming. Uh, yeah. Pre-anti-Semitic Mel Gibson. Yeah. Uh, when you could enjoy his movies. Glory but, year Mel Gibson. But William Devane is just such a... A force in this movie. It really kind of was. Uh, it was well. It was very. Um, he was intimidating. Yeah, and he was quietly this like little tiny dynamite and, keg, like that yeah. just seemed like he was gonna just burst. You could tell this was a man that was just beyond past the point of even being broken. And the first twenty twenty five minutes of this film are some of the most simmering intense mm-hmm. tough conversations there's this scene where he's back in his house his home that right. he probably he paid for in his former life mm-hmm. with his uh, <laughs> with his wife and it's this couple and it's this horrifying thought to think of if you've been together charlie's a married man i've been with the same girl Absolutely. for over a decade this idea of coming back into contact with your loved one and having no idea how to behave around each other. Things have changed, but neither of you have outright said things have changed. You just don't know how to speak to the person. And this, his wife is talking to him and she's asking him just mundane questions. And he's politely responding to them while having a beer. Right. And she he, mentions how she, he's not like brooding. No, he's not an he's angry not, guy. He's, he's not, He's like, trying. Right. He's he's not punching walls and he's actually v- He's uh, way more well adjusted. Creep, creepily and, calm is yeah. the, like he's too calm, uh-huh. which is why you know something's wrong. Yes. Like he's overly he's calm. He's handling things too professionally exactly. to this point. He's ve- he's not saying anything wrong. He's just feels a little numb and he's going through a shock. And there's this one cute saying, I forget exactly what she says, but she's talking about some like how things have changed and how girls, women wear mini skirts now. And it's right. like a world that he didn't know. Right. And, how, and she says she has one and then he doesn't really react to it. And she says, I can try it on for you if you like. And he's just like, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not, you don't have to do that's that. Good. Like he's being caught up on everything he's missed and he's just not accepting it or just like no things are different now yeah it just doesn't interest him doesn't interest him his life changed he's and so again what happens in this movie so (laughs) the first 25 minutes we're just seeing this guy in society and he meets uh this woman who's who's his local oh yeah this part of the movie kind of got was kind of weird for me well, I kind of like this idea that... So, Linda Haynes is the actress. And Linda Haynes is an excellent 70s kind of genre act- actress who, by 1980, she just stopped acting. There wasn't anything yeah. tragic that happened. I don't think she was a lost burnout. She just stopped acting. Her and, last credit is uh, 
Brubaker, which is a Robert oh, Redford Robert movie. Redford uh, prison drama. Yeah. Um, I didn't even I didn't even remember her. That's nineteen eighty. I but think she's 19... pretty low down on the list there. But yeah, yeah. And like, she like uh, said, sorry. she just stopped acting and then was really only brought back to the spotlight because Quentin Tarantino was such a fan of some of the movies that she was in. She was mm-hmm. in Coffee with Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in The Nickel Ride, which is like a cool crime drama with Jason Miller from The Exorcist. And then she was in this one, which was a huge Tarantino movie. Rolling Thunder is very Tarantino in a lot of ways. True. There was a couple of specific scenes where I was like, and I'm, I'm not one of the people that thinks, oh, Tarantino just copies cool 70s movies. But you can see where he gets the idea right. in a couple of these Rolling Thunder scenes. And Linda Haynes plays a woman from this town who's kind of like her William Devane. She's like the booster for him. Like when a cheerleader gets a football player to right. sponsor, she gets her own hometown Vietnam vet she, to sponsor. Well, she calls herself a groupie. A gr- yeah. Event- she, she, she becomes she, attracted to this idea yeah. of this war hero, William Devane. And she actually has to explain what a groupie is to him, by the way. Yes. he's been away for so <laughs> yes. long. She's like, well, you know how rock stars have girls that follow them. And he's like, rocks? What is rock stars? Tell me about rocks. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. That's a, that's a great great observation but yeah she's a barmaid you know she's not uh she's pretty but she you can tell she's uh gotten kind of sick of guys at least these guys in her local texas border town exactly go to bars she doesn't have a lot of high prospects right um and she's just totally into william devane and obviously more of the idea of what he did Right. She's into his accomplishments and what he went through and this idea of, as we said earlier, a hero. She like wore his pin or something? She wore his pin. It was like was the, the whole tie a, a yellow ribbon thing. She wore his... Uh, yeah, there's a thing. Like a town sponsor. Like, you know, right, send our right. troops home kind of. Right. And, and, uh, and so you're starting to get the sense that, all right, his marriage is over. His wife's moved on because... She naturally thought he was dead because that's what she was told, that his plane was shot down. Mm-hmm. And he's, but you see a guy kind of mending things. You see a guy on the comeback. He's still putting effort into his son, full-hearted effort, mm-hmm. you know, playing catch with him, trying to right. show him that you don't know me, and I recognize your new dad is not a bad guy, but I'm your dad. Right. It's it's a genuine attempt that he keeps making. He's showing up to Little League games. And uh, and now he's met a new woman who seems like, by all accounts, a nice gal. Oh, a nice gal. So things are like he went through the shit and now he's on. a He's making by far the best of a horrendous situation. (laughs) And that's when the movie just kicks you in the balls. That's when James Best. That's when James Best shows up for his eight minutes of the movie. Yeah, this turned out to be a very small role, but a very memorable one from James Best. And uh, yeah, like you said, everything is kind of, there's this soft music playing, and he's just watched the kid at, at the softball uh-huh. practice or whatever, like you said, and he comes home, and then out of the, f- out of the blue, <laughs> yeah. out of, honestly, Unexpectedly. they really don't let you, they really don't give you anything to let you know that this is coming, but uh he gets straight up robbed yeah. <laughs> in James, his house. James Best shows up. Uh, 
These guys just show up at his house and rob him of his yeah. silver dollars. Literally just because they saw that he got $2,500. Yes. Of silver dollars. $2,500. Even with inflation. I don't even think it was that. It was like 2000 and change. <laughs> two, 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 yeah. It was like it was like for every day he was in Vietnam. Exactly. Give him a dollar. That's yeah. What he's One worth. silver dollar for every day he was captured. So this gang finds out he's got these silver dollars and they break in and they just... Uh, for some reason, think that they can torture the POW camp survivor. Who's, who's just did, lived with torture for seven yeah, years. Somehow they think they got the handle on how to get this guy to this spill is, the information. This is one of the meanest, just <laughs> cruelest scenes in cinema history. Is James Best and a gang of like four guys. And James Best, just in the credits, is billed as the Texan. The Texan. That's all and you if need you to know, know. If you know James if you're familiar with James Best, if you're not, literally picture George W. Bush doing sinister villain stuff. He's got <laughs> kind of a kind of a quirky voice, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but and since James Best has played a goofball on TV for eight years, that everybody saw him in, except Charlie. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't watch The Dukes of Hazard. I'm. I mean, it's, I apologize. It's only been in syndication for thirty years. <laughs> not anyway, now. I'm never gonna watch. No, it. Like now, refuse to watch Dukes of Hazard. Put my foot um, down. <laughs> <laughs> um, James Best, I've never seen as a villain, and now he's just this slithering Texas asshole who wants two thousand dollars in silver dollars. In silver dollars. How did this? How does this gang think this is gonna work? Yeah, it's a terrible plan. And I love, I love, if we've talked before on podcasts about how we love small towns with the secrets, I love small town criminals. These guys right. are not mob bosses. They just talk about like hitting up the Jiffy Lube. Yeah, this or, like, is their big score. Yeah, of this the is year. it. This is huge for them. And and uh, yeah, you find out later they basically just take it to Mexico and live in a whorehouse. Yeah, for as long want, as two thousand dollars in silver. They dollars literally will want get money them. to whore it up yeah. in Juarez. Yeah. Like, that's their goal. That's it. That's as far ahead as they think. So, And yeah. James Best is, he, he's got this great gang with my favorite being uh, Luke Askew, who yes. plays a character named Automatic Slim. Automatic Slim. Which is a killer villain Why name. do you give James Best <laughs> the title of Texan <laughs> and you give Luke Askew... <laughs> You give his automatic yeah, slim. His right hand man is automatic slim. Ugh. Oh, that's a name. Like they couldn't come up with anything for the Texan. Yeah, it's like cool. The Texan. Ah, uh, too bad. Oh, and here's my associate, automatic slim. Automatic slim. Just <laughs> <laughs> hair flowing. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, shit. damn. This guy's the real boss. This guy's automatic. Wait, 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 wait. no, no, no. <laughs> um, but there's like. And there's a, it's a great gang. It's a great movie gang. Oof. Because Automatic Slim, Lucas Skew's awesome character actor. Uh, recently, yeah, his name's probably in the hat. He's in the hat. You know he's in he's the hat. He's in the hat, baby. <laughs> he's an easy rider. Recently in Big Love. Like, he's in the hat. Lucas Skew has been in weird stuff. Yeah. And so you got like this weird, crazy-eyed Lucas Skew character with a 10-gallon hat. Mm-hmm. But then you have the muscle of the group. Big guy with the mustache. Then you have, there's always like a little guy, like a kind of over laughing, insecure little guy in a right. gang, in a good movie gang, <laughs> where, you know, the guy's kind of overcompensating a lot. So he's the first one to jump in with like a punch, but only when the guy's already being held down that he's punching. Mm-hmm. You know, he's want to make a show of things. 
So it's like a great Was gang. that maybe James Victor, the uh, longtime character actor James Victor yeah. was, yeah, I, was I one of the was. gang members. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're funny. right, because I didn't recognize the the big, burly, mustachioed mm. gang member. Um, you would have recognized... You would have recognized uh, him in a movie like Girl in Gold Boots. Oh, sure. Borderline with Charles Bronson. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so so this whole movie, this is an eight-minute scene of right. of William Devane getting If robbed. that. If that. Maybe honestly. even short. Honestly, it could have been six, but it's so, it's intense. Yeah. And it's quiet. There's no score playing in the back of this. That's true. It's James Best threatening William Devane to just just tell him where the silver dollars and are. And he's, he's kind of doing, doing that real friendly, like, Look, you just tell us where it is, we'll get out of here. Yeah, no, nobody going to get hurt. And yeah. then he's like, oh, you ain't going to tell us, are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Punch him up a little bit, you know? And then yeah. They, yeah. The violence just keeps escalating. Because William Devane really jumps up. But then it does hit a... <laughs> we'll get, yeah. So this keeps escalating. Guy gets punched around a bit, yeah. you know? And he's just... And, and William we're seeing just, like flashbacks of his Vietnam stuff in between, so you know he's like just either just flashing back, and he's not even in the moment, so he's yeah. not even present mentally, I, or it's telling you that he's this is like routine for him. Sure. Well, like, I feel like Tuesday. we did jump over an important scene. Well, we did. Which because I tried because it, it is up. kind of a I, I'm sorry it's it's a blur <laughs> in my brain of whether this happens before or after the James Best scene but it has to be before it's definitely before one of the when he gets a one-on-one conversation with the new stepdad this is William Devane yeah this is William Devane hanging out in his uh little room little granny as part of, unit. As part of this really like long drawn out kind of character development scene he actually uh talks to the yeah the new uh mother lover the mother lover who uh, again who's trying to make who's he's trying like to a make good it guy. cool yeah everyone's trying to he's get along he's not the dude that moved in on right. this woman this this woman had no reason to believe that william devane was dead everybody's trying to get along here and now this guy isn't his name like it's something lame like mitch maybe it's cliff cliff it's cliff. that's it so um, cliff yeah. is the new daddy the literally the only father that this his actual son's ever known and so Cliff comes to William True. Devane's granny unit, where he's staying. Where he's got nine guns, like just posted on yeah. the wall, just it's on like, display. It's his like old workshop. And he's cleaning it's like the a tent. tool bench. Yeah, yeah. And he has a cot. Yes. And this new stepdad is just kind of respecting him, and then the conversation keeps getting a little more like. Well, he keeps asking him about his time in Vietnam. Yeah. He's and like needling him for a bit. some reason. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where we were all going like, stop going this direction. Yeah, with the conversation. Stop, stop don't, don't going ask, a different route. You know, like the one thing you know is like you don't ask like a war vet like about <laughs> the war. Tell me about some of the awful so situations was, you encountered. So uh, things been pretty hard lately, huh? Kind of like uh, Vietnam. Yeah, he really he turned. How would this the have compared like to that? Vietnam? And so, and William Devane ends up talking about his torture and. And then is like, here, let me let me demonstrate some of the torture. Yeah, let me show you what I went and through. And ties himself up, doesn't tie Cliff up, ties himself up and makes Cliff give him a little of the torture. And it's a yeah, very disturbing it, scene. Yeah, he ties his his own arms behind his back. Yeah. And the whole time he's doing this calmly, just saying like, like yeah, so every day. And, yeah, they, they would do this, this three, yeah, twice yeah, a day. It is, right. They'd come in at 8 a.m. <laughs> they'd take a rope and they'd, he's here, like, no, no, no. Tighter, a little tighter. Oh man! And he's like giving Cliff the new dad 
yeah. instructions on how to torture him the same way he's been tortured for the last And he says this thing years. about how you learn to love the torture or the, yeah. you learn to love the rope. And yeah. That's, so how, that, you, so that's, that's how, how you beat him. So, so you already know going into these, these petty, petty criminals. Yeah. Who the think lowest they're going, of the low. Who think they're going to somehow punch him in the mouth a couple times and get him to tell them where his silver dollars are. You know nothing's going to happen because he's just demonstrated that he kind of likes it. Yeah. Or now he's this is his now new normal. his brain is warped to yeah. to He's convinced himself like, that not, he's fine with this. So they decide we're taking this to Defcon 5. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've punched him in the face twice. <laughs> Time to shove his arm into a garbage disposal. Yes. And shred his hand to nothing. Which is what happens. That's step two. That's Plan B is hand shredding. Yeah, that seems like a jump to me. But, uh, you know, these guys are pros. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so William Devane actually gets a hook hand after that. Yeah. Well, but this... it doesn't end there. Nope. <laughs> so this whole... There's this... The movie Blood Simple, which is one of my top five favorite mm. films, is this idea that... You know, any crime, even cursorily laid out well, has infinite ways that it can go ass up. Oh, yeah. In every way. Blood Simple is and filled with... And it usually with, will. Yeah, and it odds are it will. And it's filled <laughs> with people that are just dealing with circumstances they didn't think about. So James Best, I'm sure, his shitty little gang didn't plan on shredding a man's limb uh, in a garbage did, he, disposal. They certainly didn't want to go there. Yeah. it's there. It but gets to the point where, where James Best goes to threatening to almost like, come on, you, come it's on, not man. worth this. It's just silver dollars. Just like, <laughs> like, honestly, I know this is a small thing. Why are you making us do this? Exactly. But they don't seem to ever think to look anywhere in the house. Maybe yeah. they did beforehand. The guy kind of kicked around a bedroom uh you get the Early. sense maybe they poked in some drawers, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and so then his wife and son come home while this torture is taking place, and they are gunned down. Yeah, they this, don't make it out. This is all... The first 20 minutes of the movie are ramping up the intensity with that torture scene. And then... I honestly think it's about 40 minutes before you... It's a bit. It's a bit. But uh, uh, yeah, this thing happens... Real quick. For a movie that's so uh, laconic, so slow-paced, mm. and sl- so it's slow. It there's is a lot of. T- there's a lot. Well, of- like I said, it's internal. It's it's everything's under the surface. Uh-huh. And William uh-huh. Devane's not a man of many words. No, he speaks when spoken to, and he'll <laughs> answer questions the length that's appropriate. Absolutely. And thank you, soldier. Yes, exactly. It's a very just like detached mm-hmm. but polite response. And that he, he remains gives. pretty detached through this whole scene. Yeah. You know? And then the aftermath where you see him in the hospital recovering. And that's where Tommy Lee Jones comes back into play yeah. and uh, is, is kind of helping him out. And obviously, he's lost both of them. Mm-hmm. They're buried. He's got a hook for a hand. Yeah, William Devane. There's scenes of him learning to so there's a pull whole montage. cigarettes out of yeah. a, a box with his hook hand. There's a whole montage of him with the hook hand. And then, I mean, this is a Paul Schrader movie, so it has to end in a bloodbath. It does. And, well, uh, I think this is a good uh, time to take a break. 
Because oh, yeah? the movie has now taken a tonal shift. It's a very... And I think we'll, we can come back with then shift. the rest of Rolling Thunder. Okay. Uh, when we come back from this break. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait. So it's come to this. We're back. We're back. Part two of Rolling, Rolling Thunder. Thunder. And here, if you want to. Oh, there you go. There we go. We're getting Get into it recording. now. We're deep. Uh, so yeah, the movie this... has taken, It's it started out at one tone. Remember at the beginning where you said everyone was like really bummed out by this movie? Yeah. I'm kind of bummed out talking about this movie right now. Like I'm That's kind a, of like, it's really been depressing. Right here. Depressed. Depressed. It's I'm, I'm depressed. I'm pretty depressed. And uh, things are just uh, looking real bad. And by the way, this guy, um, just like in Bumblebee, we have a Charlie. Yeah. The the, the William Devane character, Major Charles Rain. Man, just, you know, there's always uh, there's always a theme to these things. I love huh? that. I love guys. So yeah, named Major Charles. Charles Rain. I'm Charlie, by the way. I don't know. Yes, you're Eric. I'm Eric. All right, we mm-hmm. want to make sure people not as know. many good movie Eric. Maybe people forgot our names. I've now seen like... several recent good movie Charlies. It's a just good name. In, just in the last week, I don't know what. So, know. so our movie takes a major shift. So now this guy's back from Nam, and the one thing he had, his family, even in its now mutated form, is now immediately gone. They're, yeah. They're wiped out. So now he has nothing. Now he has no point even being in this town that he probably he's, grew he has up no in. No point and, doing anything. Yeah, that was the one thing he was returning home for. Yeah. And now that's gone over some silver dollars. Two thousand. Two thousand. I mean, well, it's I mean, two thousand silver dollars. Clearly worth <laughs> committing. You got to understand how much horin double homicide. How much horin that gets you? Well, yeah. they thought they killed him. They they shot him as well. Right. And they thought he was dead, and they the this gang clearly has no idea that he's alive, right? Uh, and but then he, you don't you don't re- see the gang. For no, you never see a them long time until the very end because they just went to Mexico. Like again, this was not a complicated heist. They just needed some whoring money. They literally that's all they wanted the and money for. As they soon had as they got no the money, plans beyond that. The, the only reason why they kill those uh, the, the kid and the wife is because the kid gives them the money. He's yeah. like, oh, I know where the silver dollars are, so just take them. You know. Way yeah, there's go, that major. He tells the kid that, where the money is. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I tell my kid line. where silver no, dollars. Gosh, are. there's that evil line when James Best is leaving with the money after murdering mm-hmm. his family. He still has to get in another dig, and he leans into William Devane. Is like, you idiot. Like, right. why'd you do? Why'd you go through all this? Blames him or like yeah, puts it on you, him. Why'd you go through this for nothing? Like you're leaving with with a way worse deal yeah. than if you had just given us this money. Uh, he has to just get that because this guy's also like James Best character, the Texan. Texan. They're, they're incredulous as well as like, what the? Why'd you? This was supposed to be. This a was. Simple, this should have been easy. In man. and out. The guy goes, look, man, I don't want any trouble. Silver dollars are in there. I'll get some more. I'm a war hero. Yeah. Yeah. They'll give me they more when they find out coming. I was robbed. It'll be great. So then you kind of start thinking that, all right, from here, the movie's going to go into like a Kill Bill style checklist right. of guys to you murder. Just imagine the screen going red and that like siren from the yeah. Kill Bill going up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it doesn't. The Ironside <laughs> siren, the weird. Um, and so you're just like, ah, oh, he's going to start picking off this gang one by right. one like in Commando it, or something. Yeah, exactly. 
And the movie is not going to give you that kind of satisfaction. It's not going to give you the cool, like, it's not your typical revenge movie. Mm-hmm. He basically does want revenge, obviously. That's the only thing he wants now. But it's not flashy, like, yeah. and now we're going to this town where, like, it's not a video game. Right. He just hears word of this guy, one of the gang members, because he hears one of their names. Oh, it's something like... Uh... Doesn't he hear them say whatever town they're going yeah. to as they leave? Because mm-hmm. they again, they, yeah, they, they foolishly him. are just like, "Come on, we we can still make it I'll, down to Juarez or wherever." Right. Like Horror Central, yeah, Horror City, Mexico. <laughs> it's right over the border. Horse it's City. right there. Yeah, yeah. and it's He's actually it's it. actually pronounced Horse City, oh. which was just an I, unfortunate byproduct. I could see the confusion. Yeah, there. it's but so Horse City and ugh, you know how it <laughs> sprung up, but. Yeah, so there, there. That's kind of the movie's one kind of silly crutch is James Best is like basically does the Bond villain detailed plan right. of oh yeah you go there we're gonna we'll get, go there. we're gonna take the four hundred five down to this city and then make a right turn. It's like okay, well if William Devane lives, he sh- certainly knows right. your exact coordinates. Take the marooned sixty seven Cadillac <laughs> yeah. to, to Pico Road. I'll be wearing the red rose and like he gives a guy a lot of landmarks. To find them, but it takes them a long time to do it. Though. Yeah. Well, yeah. They go through this kind of extended. His he, he recovers, and you see him sawing off the shotguns. And, yeah. But and Cliff and wants Cliff, to go with him. Cliff wants to help, and and no one wants him to go vigilante. Like there's kind of a concerted like don't go vigilante yeah. on these. Don't guys. go crazy. And he's like, on no, this. of course, no. I'm not. There's a really Why good scene where he goes back to his commanding officer, played by. Dabney Coleman. Yes. Excellent. And this movie's filled with great four minute scenes with yeah. actors that don't show up. He's for got the rest one of the movie. scene, basically, yeah, yeah, where they're talking. And yeah, Dabney Coleman's basically telling him, like, look, don't like don't do this. Like it sucks, bro. Yeah. Man. It's tough to get back into the swing of things, but <laughs> uh it gets better. Right. Kind of thing. And William Devane Don't go crazy. William Devane the whole time, he's not getting fired up. The whole time he's just staring at these people and kind of just like, like sucking on his teeth and like mm. nodding, just like mm-hmm. big William Devane cool. teeth of his. Yes, yeah, big old teeth. <laughs> and uh, you know this is going nowhere good. This whole time, you it's just got this dark, well, yeah, you know. cloud I mean, over. We it. know. Well, we know. I, he, it, I feel like he does. He has everyone convinced though because. Cliff uh, at one point realizes he's already gone to find these guys and he's yeah. too late. So he's trying to catch up. Uh, but yeah, I think he fools everyone into kind of believing that he's this. Uh, well, it, it seems like he's in shell shock, honestly, mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Right. So uh, I don't think anyone ever thinks of him as doing this. But yeah, he finds this gang in Mexico. Yeah, well, we get all these great scenes of him because, again, they're in a border town, mm-hmm. and so he just is crossing back and forth over the border. It's not right. like he... It's with, not like, with Linda Haynes, his groupie. Yeah, Linda Haynes, his groupie, who, since William Devane is such an emotional uh, chasm <laughs> in this movie, he's he's completely hollowed out. Definitely. She's really relied upon strongly for a lot of the emotional narrative. Like, she's really, you know, all the, like, from stuff like, why do I keep ending up with crazy men? Right. With Which I think William Devane says something like, because that's the only kind of 
man, yeah. there is left. That's all there is, baby. That's, that's all oh, there yeah, is. I, I yeah. think that is what he says. That's all that's left. Yeah. And because she's been kicked around a little bit. And here she is back like she's it's happening again. <laughs> I'm back with another guy going on a revenge murder spree. Uh, same old story. Yeah. And it's that kind of classic movie trope where you can see this kind of better life sitting right in his passenger side. And now this guy is not beholden to anything. He could start over if he wants to. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy who's spent seven years taking shit. And now it's the man pushed too far. Right. But we get these, you know, he is now in a chance to fight back where he wasn't able to for so long. Hmm. And we get these great scenes that you could say are kind of maybe even not necessary, but I like that we get them of him not just going, not just knowing right where to go to find these guys. Mm-hmm. He hears a name, and so he goes around asking about Automatic Slim. Yes. Because if you have a sick-ass name like Automatic <laughs> Slim, people should ask around town about you. Like, that means the name's working. Totally. So I like, we get all this great on-location shooting in Mexico, like going into these towns with, you know, just old wood in yes. these diners and, you know, these old towns. And just William Devane kind of then using Linda Haynes as his seductive in. And she falls into this role of listening to another guy right. who's like, hey, go into this cafe, ask if they know Automatic Slim, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> and he keeps putting her in these increasingly dangerous yes. situations Yes, to look for these these men. Hey, man, when you got the groupie, like, got put the groupie. them to use. Put them to use. These rock right. stars weren't thinking big enough. It's like she's basically his spy, yeah. Like she is... Totally not being, but they have such a yeah, and then they 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 definitely have that that moment of just now they're fighting each other because she doesn't want to be used and yeah, and uh, she's done. They know that they're all each other's got. Yeah, they have no nothing else waiting for them back in this border town, and so yeah, you get these great scenes with these great actors who probably were never in any other movie like Mm. these, you know. Guys well, yeah, playing the, Mexico the Mexican, Mexican like, diner locals, yeah. locals who are also there. Oh, I know Big Ed. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they all have like, oh, yeah, show me where Big Ed is. And they're all these guys who their own small town version of their own local crime. Right. You know, one of them probably runs a numbers game. Like, So you get to make these great barely making ends meet criminals, which are That's awesome funny. in movies, yeah. which come off great. And so you just get these weird scenes set in locations that never look this ugly. It's an <laughs> ugly movie in a lot of ways. Right. Like, these are not prettied up sets. You're just in a dusty, crappy area in a dirty cafe. Right. Shaking down locals before they figure out that you're a guy who they should be kicking the shit out of. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like an and so that's like the next second act of the movie is him just trying to find these guys. Yeah. And it takes a lot of cool places and that's when he like finally finds out. He finds him. Mm-hmm. And then he recruits our old friend Tommy Lee Jones. I know Charlie had his old partner. I know you loved that scene where he goes to Tommy Lee Jones like 
family's there, house. <laughs> so the, yeah, all of this like uh, in the dusty bars and the seedy underbelly, and then we cut to yeah the bright living room of Timely Jones family yeah. where he's trying to live the well-adjusted life with the wife and the brother-in-law and mm-hmm. everybody's there and they're just sitting there and it's like an awkward family party tommy lee jones is the guy who you can literally see his skin like crawling and seething <laughs> and he's he's just bugging out internally this is some pretty early tommy lee jones oh this is very like 77 early. yeah this is like I bet he only had a couple he of film was roles. So young this. in this, uh, so young in this movie, it was crazy looking at him and just, I mean, yeah. look good. Yeah, Tommy, good-looking guy. He was a good-looking guy. I'm gonna yeah, and that. so it's. I like this. Uh, you go to this family party, and I kind of. I also like. It's a woman. I don't even know if she has any lines, but I think she's one of Tommy Lee Jones's sisters who always kind of undercover flirts with William Devane. Uh-huh. Like, she gives him a, g- a big kiss when he comes off the plane, and she's, like, overly smiley and touchy at this party. It's such a non-character. Right. But it's such a, like, you know, this w- this is, like, a girl in her 20s who thinks this army man's cute. Right. And it's it kind of adds to Tommy Lee Jones's kind of homey life. Oh, and uh, remember who was the brother-in-law? The oh. actor... Paul Partain what, from Texas I, Chainsaw Massacre. I, I was the one that raised you, the suspicion. You, Yeah, you saw that happen. It's and, only uh, because I've seen Texas Chainsaw in like the last year. That's pretty and crazy. And he plays the... Oh, he plays Franklin. The, Franklin in the, the wheelchair. Just... The guy you love to hate. No. Nobody <laughs> likes Frank. Franklin well, you love is to the hate most, him. Oh, Franklin is so He's, annoying. Yeah. And I don't think the guy did many movies it wasn't much on his uh, imdb just now looking yeah, at it. just now and so i was like this guy really looks like the dude in the wheelchair from texas chainsaw <laughs> it was a pretty triumphant that's moment what i love about it, these kind of movies when you have that moment of being like i know exactly but but how is. cool is that for this guy who if you watch texas chainsaw you would probably think, oh this guy probably did nothing else it's right. like oh apparently he did another really cool movie like to be a part of two super legendary drive-in mm-hmm. movies like that while doing essentially nothing else in film. That's that's awesome. That's enough. I'd, That'd be enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I want you to talk about the uh, the scene where William Devane and Tommy Lee Jones break away from the familiar ga- the familial gathering and William Devane tells him what he wants to do and how he needs Tommy Lee Jones' help. Well... I know. I, I just remember you liking that uh, recruiting scene, and especially Tommy Lee Jones leaving. Well, I did enjoy the. Uh, yeah, they're they're at the the family dinner. They're yeah. all huddled around. <laughs> William Devane and Tommy Lee Jones are basically just staring at each other the whole time while everyone else is talking, and then he kind of goes into the bedroom and. Uh, <laughs> They 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 kind of break up and they're gonna go have dinner or whatever. I don't remember why they yeah, break they're up. They're gonna go off, go to the. They go into Tommy Lee Jones's bedroom and he's like, "I found him." And yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is like, "I'll get my stuff." Yeah, and it's that, like they that's ass- the recruiting. Yeah, there is. I mean, there. It's such a cool no thing recruiting. where you don't know if these two have. You assume they've never seen each other since their arrival. Right. Since well, there's a scene where you see them in the hospital. Where oh, sure, the sure, hospital. sure, sure. But but. Exactly. So they're around each other, but they aren't like going to the VFW every day together. And it's almost understood that if like, if you ever come over, 
I know, I <laughs> well, know what knows. you're getting me. Yeah, for. exactly. He he knew. I think as soon as uh, as soon as those yeah, as soon as you see them together in the hospital, they yeah. know. Like if our paths cross again, they know, and we know what circumstances then, will be under. Well, what was so great is that Tommy Lee Jones, you know, to kind of play it casual with the family, yeah. Dresses up in full (laughs) military uniform, like with the cap and the collar and the full Full jacket. Full dress uniform. Sunglasses on (laughs) at night and is like, me and the major are going to go get a beer. (laughs) And they're like, we're we're about to have dinner. What? We all just got here. Uh, Yeah, we're leaving. Bye. And then they're like, they peel (laughs) off super loud. They're like, I guess they really wanted a beer. I don't know. Yeah, the whole... Intensity between William Devane, like you said, staring each other across the table. Because William Devane shows up to get him, and it just happens to be in the middle of this think, yeah, exactly. party going on. And William Devane wants nothing more than just, can we just go? We need like, to get the f- I know yeah. where these guys are at, and we need to. They ain't going to be whoring forever. Yeah. There's only $2,000 of silver dollars. <laughs> like, I don't know how long that lasts in, in this town. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, look at each other exchanging these like come on let's uh with tommy jones being like i know i know let's uh we'll get out of here yeah and that's when we get uh the most unglorious un like movie magic uncinematic revenge sequence Mm -hmm. i think in film it's there's it's not triumphant it's not cool revenge it's there's, sad and uh there's there's this one moment that's pretty <laughs> cool because they both go to this whorehouse. Well Tommy Lee Jones so, gets a room. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well you're the one jumping. I know, the, I know, I'm jumping the bloodbath. I I wanna say that most of these guys, we did jump over a major automatic slim scene. Well <laughs> where Willem Devane in the process of finding these guys. William Devane gets jumped by, like, several of Automatic Slim's men. Oh, yeah. And William Devane uses his hook hand to claw the balls. That's true. Of Automatic Slim. That's how he gets out of this. He's basically jumped by six guys. And he swings his claw hand uppercut style. It was a pretty automatic move. Into Automatic automatic Slim's (laughs) undercarriage. And uh, And Lucas, I like, as well as you can play a man who just got ball hooked yeah he's immediately just like don't touch him don't touch him <laughs> stop hitting him Give right him now what he wants. yeah just let me leave this situation and so william Devane walks out of the building holding lucas q by the groin mm. with his hook and using him as like a body shield to to make his escape that's pretty cool. and that's really the only other time we see the villains from the robbery scene we don't. Right. The only other time we see James Best until he's uh-huh, is when William Devane finally tracks their location, and he sees James Best swagger out of this whorehouse. Right, but you, a, you're seeing it from like across. You're the seeing street. him from William yeah. Devane watching him in a car, right, up the block, and James Best just coming out of there. You don't even hear James Best talk again outside of this robbery Not scene. Really, yeah. He has no more no more script. He gets all of that scene. Where they're robbing. I mean, he's the main right. guy doing the talking. And every other conversation is you see him from this window and you see him talking to Lucas Q with his boot up like on a oh, man. on the just one leg like up Scott on a style. railing. Yeah. Just awful. <laughs> just like 
a bad just like what's going on guys just like a patchy mustache with legs open too wide going back to the uh, whorehouse tonight so there's or? a couple of the uh, whores up here that I haven't tried yet <laughs> um, I mean that's literally these guys are that was their big plan they're, they're, they had no follow up plan their it. plan was just like what if we got enough money to just spend wow. a week at a whorehouse and they've been doing this this whole time. And so then, so yes, now we finally go so they, into the whorehouse. We finally get in there, and we get into the whorehouse. And, and the plan there is basically Tommy Lee Jones uh, gets a whore mm-hmm. who is the most, like, uh, unimpressed. Like, yeah. She's just like, yeah, it's like 30 for 30. You win <laughs> or what? Come on, we like, doing this? Yeah, she's like, all right, this way. Yeah, she's over it. Like she might as well be showing him like, uh, yeah, a hotel room or what? Yeah, it's down I mean, the hall, bathrooms well, to the you left. You bring that up, and I think it kind of makes sense that we've talked about how Paul Schrader writes these kind of empty, searching for purpose, right. dead dreamed men, but he's also throwing in the same characters as women, just with the coin reversed. This woman's been through her own hell. Linda Haynes has been through her own thing. And now they're just, they're not feeling it. But the, I do have to say that this woman continues to try to offer her services when Tommy Lee Jones sits on the bed and clearly has no plan of touching yeah. or engaging with this woman. His, He's just his plan there. was just to get inside to wait his, for his, the His plan the, is to wait kill. for William Devane to give him the signal to come out and Kill everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he lays there while she's like unbuttoning his shirt. He just is laying there sitting and yeah, staring, staring at nothing. Space. And yeah. I tell you, that's that was probably the creepiest part of this movie for me. Yes. Yeah. These guys are all. Tommy Lee Jones had really affected the thousand yard stare oh. that these guys have. It's... That That is just like, they're nothing behind them eyes. There's no. just nothing back there. He's just waiting to hear the signal. And he'll come out naked, I guess, if the lady gets. If the lady to that just point. keeps undressing him, yeah, he's uh, he's not stopping her, but, but he's not into it. Again, I'm thinking thirty for thirty. Lady, just hang out for thirty minutes. You make this thirty is an bucks. Easy gig. Yeah, everybody goes. I'm happy. Why is she pushing it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let the guy go at his own pace. He he paid for his time, anyways. Uh, William Devane's signal is that he taps on the hook with the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Which Clacking is, his hook against is, the barrels. Yeah, which is a very cool little moment. Um, when he finally, I guess he, he just kind of comes in, though. He just he does. He just in, walks in. And then he's like, all right, now, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then the cool moment is is when Tommy Lee Jones gets up and starts putting the gun that he has in his bag together. Right. And the woman's like, what are you doing? He's just, <laughs> he's just in that Tommy Lee Jones kind of drawl. He's just like... I gotta go kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as he just assembles his uh, his gun in oh, this man. room, and yeah. then uh, yeah, and then it ends in uh... it mo- it ends so unceremoniously. Yeah, which so... is usually revenge. There's there's some triumph. There's some standing over your enemy kind of thing with right. showing you you lasted, and this is just so quick and ugly and just over. Like he burst, James Best uh, was this ringleader, and he literally just kicks in the door to the room James Best is in and just shoots him. Right. Maybe like even in the just, back or yeah, something. It's like, like he's, he's reaching over for his nightstand. He just right, takes right. two two shots to the chest. 
No words. The big, the big kind of standoff is when Automatic Slim's behind the bar downstairs, shooting up the stairs. That's a great shot. Don't they just throw some grenades down there or yeah. something? It's and literally like Automatic Slim and another guy dude, behind guys... the bar, right down the stairs. Tommy Lee Jones, William Devane are at the top of the stairs, yeah. shooting down. Classic cool, movie shootout. That was a very, yeah, I mean, I said cool, wh- but... Customers... Uh, it's a very cinematic You got moment. Johns and half-naked whores oh, yeah. running down the halls everybody's, everybody's in this failing. whole time. Everybody realizes oh, things funny. are going wrong. Yeah. So you have constant screaming people running around <laughs> while you have two stone-cold killers kicking in doors, shooting these guys who've, you know, robbed and them. For all they, for all they know, they're just shooting guys. Like, I'm yeah, not these sure people, yeah. People, Automatic Slim is probably not face. a legendary criminal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love that Automatic Slim is given no kind of villainous final line. Mm-hmm. He literally just gets blown away the second his mouth opens. <laughs> like, that's... You don't see that in yeah. a movie. You get some kind of... William Devane doesn't bust in and say something cool. Not even like a, this is for my family. Mm. He just right. He just kicks in the door and shoots him the yeah. first chance he gets. There's no, like, remember me yeah. or any... Exactly, yeah, nothing. Like that. Just getting the job done. There, There's a visual recognition from James Best where he sees the door and he realizes what's happening. Right. Realizes what's going on and then can't do a thing about it. And then, yeah, you get just like, um, we talked about the John Flynn movie, the outfit Mm -hmm. with uh, Robert Duvall, which kind of ends in a similar shootout, though a little bit more fun with, with the final shootout in the outfit. Yeah. And, uh, and this one just, you know, the shootout ends. They kill them all. They take plenty of damage on the way. They do. And the credits they just... walk out of there, right? The credits just start rolling with them walking out, holding each other up. And that's it. There you go. It's the movie. No follow-up. No nothing left. No. You know, welcome home, Major. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a really powerful movie, and it's not your typical fun movie exploitation revenge kind of flick it's pretty dark it's it's pretty it's very dark it's (laughs) depressing and it's just uh it doesn't leave you a lot of satisfaction that a justice was righted you know like an injustice was now uh corrected it's like oh just a terrible thing happened and then more terrible things happened right okay But, you know, the thing that I think about or have been thinking about with Rolling Thunder is definitely this character that William Devane plays and and just, you know, this is a you know, this is a thing that's happening today with with soldiers returning home and being unable to adjust. Uh, You know, it's a real problem. And and so this movie is almost prophetic, I think, in a way that it explores this POW trauma you know, in 1977, I don't know if we're talking about PTSD yet. Oh, uh, yeah, good point. Or if we're really getting into that. You know, the Vietnam War, I think, is the first war where people understood that ter- terrible, terrible things were happening <laughs> yeah. in the battlefield. They didn't even really get that in World War II because, you know, we didn't uh, have The cameras. country wasn't as uh, naive right. in, the, in the earlier wars. We there was no those... pretending that you didn't know by yeah. Vietnam. Right, exactly. You couldn't escape what you were seeing yeah. on the TV. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was documented. But, uh, but the men regular. coming back, they didn't really get that treatment. And you see that coming out in a lot of movies in the eighties about oh, Vietnam. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it makes me think of Born on the Fourth of July, it makes me think of Full Metal Jacket, 
or uh, you know things like that. Sure, that's but kind of a fascinating. Again, seventy-seven. This I is... didn't think about that aspect of it. Is that you think even Apocalypse Now, which is regarded as like you know the right. first important, you know, like that it's was seventy-nine. About... Is it that late? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And here's Rolling Thunder already immediately dealing with the trauma of these guys. Right. And I'm know? sure there were movies about Vietnam that came out earlier. I, I, I know there were. Yeah, there's like but, Death uh, Dream is a, a famous horror movie. With but a... yeah, this one just really stuck with me about how they developed this character and, and made him feel real and, um, but not relatable. Mm-mm. Again, like we're, you know. Yeah, this is. I, uh... I, I hope we didn't take too much of a like, um, and then they blow everyone away at the end because, yeah, it really is. It's not it, it's, celebratory. It's, it's a hopeless and kind <laughs> of, it's almost like a robot kind of just performing these tasks. Yeah. And This is not like a, a lot of these revenge movies you get, you know, there's the vibe of like, I need to do this because these people won't stop mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. somebody stops them. These people are gone. Right. Like Automatic Slim, the Texan, they're never going to come into contact with this dude again. This is not going to be a regular shakedown that right. William Devay needs to stop, put an end to. Like they're done. He's he, not, yeah, he was he, a convenient hit that went terrible. He he's not saving anybody. Yeah, you know he yeah he he really just has this. Uh, it's uh, a deserved it's like, vendetta, but like a a just a grimy one. Yeah, and but it definitely feels like the the, the whole idea of like he doesn't want to live even it's mm-hmm. a it's a suicide kind of mission yeah he doesn't care what the know. the results um, are yeah and so. yeah you get a lot of those like we brought up it's it's so rare to see one that doesn't celebrate this this quote victory we've seen so many movies like <laughs> one favorite that i think of is stone cold the oh man the, <laughs> yeah well lance henriksen and the boz yeah and uh like a hundred plus people die right and the movie ends and it's like we did it guys wow. and it's like so many innocents just yeah just shot oh. up and uh rolling thunder plays no favorites like right. that it does not make it seem like william devane's a hero no. in the least so we went from a movie like travis bickle being treated like a hero when he had a nervous breakdown and shot up a bunch of pimps, mm-hmm. by a fluke, he's the hero. William Devane, like, most people will probably never find out about this thing that he did. Just, so he's a war hero who then just uh, went and shot up a bunch of Johns. I just had the uh, thought of Travis Bickle uh, pulled a Homer. Yeah. If you remember The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> Where if you do something... <laughs> Stupid that it ends up being uh, beneficial. You pull a homer. Yeah, no, Bickle pulled a real homer. He pulled a big that homer. one, and and uh, Rolling Thunder is just like that same coin, but different. Yeah, it's the same kind of person as Travis Bickle, and their situation is very similar, and the results similar, but the glory is right. way way different. And I think the movie is just super impressive, and it's not. It made a ton of money. I found I didn't actually mm. know this until we just watched it. Did okay. And it, it made, you know, it was a tremendous success. Cool. But I'm guaranteeing you that so many people thought they were showing up for like a different movie. Like not an introspective, you know, there's like you said, you're not really rooting for this guy per se, even though you know he's been wronged. Mm-hmm. Like you said, unrelatable. 
You don't really like. Right. It, you understand it. Yeah, or, I get or, what he's going through. I don't through. know if that's even the word, but you. Yeah, you're. You're unable to follow him down that path sure. after the family. After the family, it's an experience killed. that you don't relate to because you've thankfully never gone through yeah. it. And you get similar vibes in Willem Dafoe in Light Sleeper and mm. Ethan Hawke in uh, First Reformed, where this situation is very different from situations that I've been in. <laughs> I get what they're going through, but I don't know how I would go through this right. kind of thing. And Paul Schrader is so good at that. And yeah, so instead of this like drive-in, cool, bloody like revenge flick, you get this like dark what genie have we let out of the bottle with this war Mm -hmm. like what unsolvable problems have we now released tenfold back into our own country like we are now bringing home these guys right who are yeah uh it's it's a really powerful movie and i know it kind of bummed the room out (laughs) afterwards uh i think people were expecting it to be more of like a cool 70s flick yeah then, well, it kind of sinks into you a little bit, you know. It kind of gets under the skin. This yeah. is the thing. It, it, it does. It kind of touches a nerve watching it. Uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, I think, uh, and again, we watched a beautiful Blu-ray transfer. Mm. Uh, this movie was kind of so. Uh, geez, eight years ago now, I spent. I was unemployed for a while. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The time of the economy was a little rougher. You had just come back from the war. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my wife had met Cliff, who great guy. I see why this great movie guy. Got, yeah. Got yeah. Uh, yeah. My son uh, didn't remember me. Great guy. Yeah. No, but I was. Uh, it was a mean curveball. It was. Uh, it was tough finding a good a gig that I actually thought was worthwhile. You weren't around then. You were still up in Oregon. Right. I grew up in Portland, so I didn't jet set I didn't have like a country. mega support circle there, you know. I was just uh I was kind of depressed and unemployed and feeling like not qualified for anything even though I was old enough to be qualified for stuff. Hmm. And weirdly enough, uh <laughs> uh MGM so I would spend my days watching uh pro wrestling and doing resumes and then usually watching a movie mm-hmm. on uh like MGM HD or you know, some DVD that I owned. That was like a typical day. Sip coffee and for like nine months probably. Right. Awful. And Rolling Thunder and Motel Hell, which I'm sure will be a future episode, were always on during this specific time. And I just found myself with this on in the background a lot. Hmm. And, uh... So it just kind of really sunk in. Like, I've really seen this movie from a lot of angles. And uh, it's a great flick. Cool. It's a, it's more than just your typical B-movie revenge flick. It's a, it's a pretty powerful film that doesn't really get the same notoriety uh, as Taxi Driver or something with, like, a famous director right. like Scorsese. Well, I'd never heard of it until um, you brought it up. Yeah. So, Rolling Thunder, I I don't know what the movie title means. I, on, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. There's no, th- there's l- very little rolling, no thunder. Means. Ooh, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, um, I'll never know. Sounds cool, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great flick. And Shout Factory released the Blu-ray of it uh, a few years ago. Oh, cool! And the transfer looks awesome. It's a, a grim movie that just captures a lot of that Texas border town dust mm-hmm. and sadness. 
and great flick. Boom. Yeah, glad we got to watch it finally. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. Right? Love it. Good night.